Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, this has been a really good week, so this has been fun. Um, This last week, I had the opportunity to speak to our youth group uh, about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, um, which was a super fun night. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, you guys saw all the kids that just left. We We had 37 youth on Wednesday night. Isn't that awesome? So cool. So they, they came out, and they're mostly junior high. There's like three high schoolers, I think. And there's just like this ton of grade nine students, which is really, really cool. Um, and, uh, and a ton of boys were there, which was really fun. I know you guys have been praying that we'd have more boys show up, because we had like three boys for a while. And I think on, on uh, Wednesday night, we had like 15, which is just phenomenal, right? So, so cool, so cool. And uh, they're super curious about spiritual gifts, so uh, our pastor, Nate, uh, introed the, uh, the study a couple weeks ago about spiritual gifts, and they're really super interested in finding out what their spiritual gifts are. And here's an interesting thing. If you are 40 years old or older, you grew up in a culture that was marked by logical and modern thought around spiritual things. But if you're 40 or under... You grew up in a culture that was becoming increasingly marked by the supernatural. And we don't have time to get into this fully today, but I remember when I was a kid, the movies that I watched were spy movies and detective movies, um, and they all had kind of a logical component to them. You would be able to see kind of logically how everything worked out. Uh, This was the era kind of around the time of the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries. I think that was a little bit before my time. I'm not quite that old, but that stuff was around anyways. Um, These stories all had logical uh, and explainable plots. But if you're 40 or younger, the movies that you grew up with, especially in these last 20 years or so, had more of a supernatural theme to them. The comic book era of of superheroes and and ghosts and and fantasies really took center stage in this time. Here's an interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever watched Scooby-Doo, but when I was a kid, um, Scooby-Doo was, I mean, you guys know Scooby-Doo adventures, right? You guys kind of know what that's about. Okay. Um, they, They would go on this mystery and they'd find this mystery and there'd be like a ghost. They had to find this ghost or something, right? And at the end of the story, they would unmask the ghost and it was a normal person. And this was just the regular thing of when I was growing up. That's what Scooby-Doo was all about. But at some point, um, they began changing. There was a new Scooby-Doo that came out. And at the end of the the Scooby-Doo episode, it was a real ghost. It wasn't just a person dressed up like a ghost. It was a real ghost. There was this interesting move and shift in our culture towards more supernatural type things. And this change has been happening for a number of years, so there's quite a bit of an overlap. But if we, look, if we look at our culture today, we see that there is way more of a supernatural flavor to the things that are happening right now. And where this lands for us in the church is that 40 years ago, Christianity was super focused on apologetics, the, the being able to have logical explanations and arguments for, for the validity of what we believe. 
it was sufficient 40 years ago to appeal to the analytical mind to spread the gospel. If we could argue a better argument, then people would come to Christ. It was kind of this thought that if God is real, we should be able to logically explain his existence. But today, apologetical explanations and arguments, they fall quite flat. Yes, we still need to know why we believe and what we believe. We still need to know that. But today's culture has an expectation that if God is real, then we should see that supernatural reality. There should be something more than just a logical explanation. God then, in this current age, needs to be experientially realized, not just intellectually explained. Hence the youth group's interest in spiritual gifts. They want to see the truth of God, not just hear about it. Now, it's possible that right now you're thinking about a verse from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And here's what the verse says. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And you might be thinking, we don't need to see the power of God. We just need to believe it. And I hear you and I get it. But frankly, that's just not how Jesus behaved. Yes, there are moments when we look at Jesus in the Gospels where Jesus did not do miracles, even when people were asking for him. There's moments like that, but in most of those cases, it's when Jesus is speaking to people who are very hard-hearted, and he refuses to provide a miraculous sign because he knows it'll make no difference. But in most of Jesus's ministry, his power is on full display as a confirmation or witness of the credibility of his message. Do you remember, uh, there's this moment where John the baptizer, you remember John the baptizer, he was the one that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he kind of prepared the way. Jesus came on the scene and John the baptizer was in the wilderness saying, hey, here comes Jesus, the Lamb of God. And, and he says all these wonderful things about him, he baptizes Jesus. It's an amazing moment. But then John the baptizer finds himself in jail And he sends his disciples to go find Jesus and ask Jesus, are you really the one that we've been waiting for? John the baptizer, who saw Jesus and said, here he is, the Lamb of God, baptizes him, is in jail and says, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Messiah? Do you remember what Jesus says to those disciples? Here's what Jesus says. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. This is the experiential evidence Jesus gives to John. Not clever arguments or apologetics. No, Jesus gave as evidence of who he is the miraculous signs he had performed. Now, maybe you're saying, okay, that's fine. That was Jesus. That's not everybody else. Well, why don't we take a quick look at 1 Corinthians In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, here's what Paul says. When I, Paul, came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. 
Paul's generation was faced with the real authority and power of Jesus Christ as evidence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this generation today longs to see the real truth of God's power on display. If God is real, then we should see that supernatural reality. This generation longs to see God experientially realized. And the good news about the good news is that Jesus is ready to show up in power. Today we're in our series called Be Like Jesus, and we're looking at how Jesus revealed his authority and power when he was dealing with a a kind of a strange situation with a demoniac called Legion. And we're taking a look at how Jesus' power and authority at work in us is pivotal for mission. So our text today is Mark chapter 5. If you happen to have your Bible with you, we're going to read quite a large section. So if you want to, you can pop open your, your, uh, your phones or your, your Bibles, or you can even read it on the screen behind me. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, uh, so you can follow along with me as we go. This now is the written word of God. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of their area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell, tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This is the written word of God. Now listen, there's a lot in this passage. Oh my goodness, right? There's just a ton in this passage. I want to give you a tiny bit of context as we move into this passage. So I'm just going to take you back just a tiny bit and add a little bit more scripture here because this is a lot, right? But I want to add more. So in Mark chapter 4, the very end of Mark chapter 4, before we get into what happens in Mark chapter 5, here's what happens. 
That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. What a scene. What a scene. That's that's unbelievable. It's a crazy scene. This was not a little storm. In the boat were trained fishermen who had gone through storms before, and they were afraid for their lives. This was a sudden and furious storm. Now, there are scholars who look at Mark's word choice here, where it says, Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And these biblical scholars see a kind of similarity to demonic deliverance happening in the, in the word choice. Could this storm have been demonic in nature? Perhaps an attempt by someone on the other side of the lake to stop Jesus from approaching? Uh, there's many scholars who believe this is true. In, in any regard, whether it is spiritual or not, Jesus shows his authority and power even over the natural elements of the wind and the waves. And perhaps as well over the spiritual forces in charge of those elements. But look at the response of the disciples. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Why were the disciples terrified? I mean, at this point, the wind and the waves had calmed down. They were terrified of Jesus. They were terrified of the power Jesus had. Now, I want you to hold two things in your back pocket for a moment, because we're going to kind of digress a little bit, and we're going to come back to this. So the two things I want you to hold in your back pocket is that the disciples were terrified, and they asked the question, who is this? So just hang on to that in your back pocket for a moment, and let's turn aside as we look at something else. I want you to look at what happens when Jesus shows up on the shore. Now, the first part of Mark 5 describes the sorry state of the demoniac called legion. Now, a legion, just for those of you that want to know, is a Roman military term for a, a group of soldiers, likely anywhere between two to 6,000 soldiers. So if this person is taking on the moniker legion, likely there are a lot of demons in this little man. So here's what happens when Jesus arrives. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When you hear that, what stirs within you? What stirs within you when you hear about this man? 
I'm just going to quickly jump to the end of the story. I'm going to come back, but I just want to take you briefly to the very end of the story. At the end of the story, Jesus gets back on the boat and leaves the beach, having done only one thing. Jesus is on the beach for a very short amount of time. He comes over across the lake, comes to this beach. He's only there for a short amount of time, and he leaves. He's only done one thing, and the one thing that Jesus did when he came over here was set the demoniac free. He traveled all the way across a stormy sea, the Sea of Galilee, likely a, a one to two hour boat ride, putting his disciples in a bit of jeopardy, not really, but sort of, only to land on the beach, do one deliverance, and then go back home again. What do you feel when you hear about this man, this man who Jesus devoted his whole day to see? What, what, what do you feel? My prayer is that our heart is broken for this man. He lived among the tombs, it says. When the people caught him, it says that he was often bound with chains. That means every once in a while, somebody would catch this guy. They'd catch him, and they'd wrap him up in chains. That was the, their, their best idea. The best thing they could do was to tie him up, and he would break out of the chains. They didn't know what to do with him. He lived an isolated life all alone, in demonic torment, crying out day and night, they would hear his screams echoing from the hills that they buried their dead. And Lucas says that this man was naked and had been for quite a long time. The demonic powers over him caused him to cut himself with stones. He was in a living hell. When you think of this man, does your heart burn with compassion for him? I think it did for our Heavenly Father, who moved Jesus to go from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake for one thing, for one thing, to set this man free. Now, remember that the disciples asked a question. As they were coming across the lake, the disciples asked a question. Take, it, take that out of your one back pocket, right? One of the things, they asked the question, who is this? Who is this that even has the power to calm the waves and the sea? Well, this demoniac answers the question. So in this passage, you have the disciples say, who is this? And a couple verses later, here's what the demoniac says. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Who is this? He's Jesus, son of the most high God. Even the demons are well aware of who Jesus is. Well, there's more story here than we have time for, but the short story is that Jesus does deliver this man. He evicts the demonic legion. He sends him into the pigs. It's a wild, crazy thing. He proves his power over this spiritual realm. The demons leave the man, and then apparently Jesus and the disciples minister to this man by, by clothing him and comforting him, because as the townspeople show up, here's what happens. When they, the townspeople, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. What a strange thing to, to, to happen, don't you think? What a strange response. The townspeople see this man freed, clothed, finally, fantastically, looking like he's got his senses about him and they're afraid. No celebration, no clapping, no ticker tape parade. 
These people had been living with the demoniac, a man who was demonized by a legion of evil spirits, and when they see him set free, they are afraid. It was the same with the disciples. Take the other thing out of your pocket here. Remember what I told you? That after Jesus calms the storm, the disciples, what, were terrified. They were terrified. The townspeople are so afraid of Jesus that they beg him to leave. What a crazy thing. Doesn't that boggle your mind? They beg Jesus to leave after seeing him do something miraculous. And Jesus honors their request. He gets back in the boat and he leaves. As Jesus is packing up, as he's getting prepared to leave, the previously demonized man begs Jesus to to allow him to go with him. He doesn't want to stick around anymore. He wants to go. And here's what Jesus, what happens. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus leaves, but he leaves behind a missionary. The unlikeliest of missionaries, don't you think? This guy has like an hour of training. That's all he's got. It's not like an hour of He's been with Jesus for an hour. And Jesus is like, that's great. You're going to go be a missionary to tens of thousands of people. See you later. Like, but this guy carried along with him a testimony to the authority and the power of God. And he tells the story of Jesus. You see, these people who were afraid had no understanding of who Jesus was. They were Gentiles. They weren't even Jewish people, most of them. There were likely some Jewish people living there, but not very many. So there's all these people who just see, they they don't know what's going on. They show up, and the guy who was previously demonized is now not demonized, and they're like, whoever you are, leave. But Jesus leaves behind the guy who is now set free to tell the story of who he is. See, the power and authority of Jesus had been seen by the people. They knew that this strange person who had shown up on their shore had power and had authority, but they didn't know who he was. But now the demoniac, who is no longer the demoniac, who is now the man set free, is able to tell the story of Jesus. The two things, the good news and the power of God, go hand in hand here to produce this last line of this story. Mark chapter 5, verse 20, And all the people were amazed. They go from being afraid to being amazed because now they've heard who this person is who set this man free. What a story, hey? What a story. Our culture today longs to see a display of the authority and the power of Jesus coupled together with the testimony of a life that's been changed. The gospel on display in word and power together on mission. Today, Jesus' Holy Spirit lives in each of you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus' Holy Spirit is empowering and equipping you to walk in His power on mission so that the world can see the evidence of God and experience His presence. Just like Jesus' first disciples who went out and did the same thing that Jesus was doing and even greater, just like Paul and the early church who saw the the power and the authority of, of Jesus continue on mission, more and more people seeing the amazingness of God, and just like today where our youth group is seeing the power of Jesus on display. 
Now, as I'm talking here, as I shared about what happened on Wednesday with, with you know, talking about speaking in tongues with the, with the youth, and I talk about Jesus having this amazing power to, to tell the wind and the waves to be quiet and, and to do this outstanding deliverance uh, upon this demoniac. You might be thinking, but I don't have that kind of gift. And maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have one of the power gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. But all of you, followers of Jesus, have the Holy Spirit and you have a gift. You have a gift. You work in it. You're living in it. You're walking in the gift that God has given you. It could be prophecy. It could be hospitality. It could be leadership. It could be compassion. Did you know that one of the spiritual gifts is compassion? Whatever your gift is, the world needs to see it displayed. And they need to see you reveal the power of God as you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whatever gift you have. And you may never face a, a demoniac. I, 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 I'm not sure I would love to do that. But you may never face a demoniac in need of deliverance. But you can show up in a phone call to a friend as God speaks to you that your friend needs, to, needs a phone call. You may show up in a different way to somebody at a soup kitchen. You might show up in a different way as you're able to share the gospel with somebody at work. But as the body of Christ, we show up in a multitude of different ways to express God's experiential presence in this world. So while not everyone shows up in the 1 Corinthians 12 power gifts, there are some who are called to walk in that. There are some that are called to walk in the prophetic and to walk in deliverance, and to walk in words of knowledge, and in healing, and in tongues, and in miracles. And those gifts can be especially used in evangelistic ways to reveal the power and the authority of Jesus Christ coupled together with the testimony of a life changed in the presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ. On Wednesday night, as I was teaching about speaking in tongues, I I spoke broadly about spiritual gifts and And how for the followers of Jesus Christ, the Spirit fills us and spills out over as He displays God's character through us to the people around us. As He displays God's power through us to the people around us. And some of the ways the Holy Spirit does that is through spiritual gifts like healing, prophecy, miracles, speaking in tongues. I gave a few examples of speaking in tongues and at one point I I prayed for one of the youth leaders. I prayed in tongues over one of the youth leaders, and I invited the the youth group to listen to see if they would get an interpretation, because that's how some tongues works. Some tongues works where there's someone stands up and they pray in tongues, and somebody else gets an interpretation. So I asked the, the youth, just listen and see if you get some kind of an interpretation. And wouldn't you know it, immediately a couple of them had some interpretation of the tongues. And I explained these are often... God's words of hope and joy and love and encouragement over you. And then one of the kids at the back said, can you pray over me? And I was like, well, let's wait till we get to small groups. So we went to small groups, and I got to pray for another one of the youth leaders. And in one of the small groups, I was, I was right in here, they met in here, I got to pray over two of the youth that were like, I really want you to pray in tongues over me. And I'm like, all right, fantastic, let's do that. And so I said, but you guys, the rest of you that are in this room, you guys need to listen for interpretation. So I prayed in tongues over both of these young ladies, and there were like four or five of the girls that were there that all had interpretations that were like spot on, spot on, speaking God's words of hope 
and love and joy and encouragement over these two young ladies. And they received them, like, really, really well. And then later in the evening, there was one girl who happened to be in the main group when I prayed over the youth leader, and she was in this smaller group when I prayed over the two young girls. She found me afterwards, and she said, when you were praying in tongues, it was as if I was hearing the words you were saying in English. And I said, well, what did you hear? And she shared with me all three things. She shared, for this person I heard this, for this person I heard this, for this person I heard this, and it was spot on spot on. So I said, would you be so brave as to go and talk to those people and let them know what you heard? And she's like, yep. She ran off and did that. And where's Ian? Ian was one of them. Wasn't that spot on? That was such a good word for you, wasn't it? It was so good. These young people were stepping into some of the ways that God has gifted them to work in spiritual gifts. And all of the youth saw the power of God on display as they heard the gospel of Jesus proclaimed. What an amazing thing. Now, not everybody's going to have that kind of experience. But you're going to have an experience as you lean into what God has for you. Today, Jesus' Holy Spirit is empowering and equipping each of us to walk in his power on mission so that the world can see the evidence of God and experience his presence. Are you willing to walk in his power on mission today? Whatever gift you have, whether it's prophecy, whether it's tongues, whether it's healing, miracles, whether it's compassion, hospitality, leadership, helps, whatever his gift is, are you willing to take the gift that he's given you and walk in that today? So I, I want to do an activation. So here's what we're going to do. It's not going to be weird, okay? So for those of you that are like, You've just kind of like, there's been a lot, right? There's been a lot. And if you've never really talked about speaking in tongues before, maybe it feels like an awful lot. So I'm not going to make anybody speak in tongues today, okay? So just take a breath. It's okay. Here's what I want to do. God has a gift for you. You may already know what it is. You might be walking in it. You might be serving in it. You might be using it to its fullest extent, whatever it is. And I know many of you are, because I've seen you guys doing it. We have a food bank that's run by people who are walking in their spiritual gifts. We have, we have uh, leaders that are running businesses that are walking in their spiritual gifts. There's all kinds of things happening like this. Okay, so you may already be walking in a spiritual gift. But if you are sitting there and you're like, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not walking in it right now. Okay, if you want to receive today, just a confirmation of your spiritual gift, or you want to re receive um, just some wisdom from God, or you are like, God, I, I want to walk in my gift. I want to, whatever my gift is, I want to walk in it. Here's what we're going to do. So don't do it yet, but I'm going to get you to put your hand up. The people around you are going to ask permission to put their hands on your shoulders, and I'm going to pray over you, okay? It's not strange. It's not weird. We're just encouraging one another, praying for another, stepping into what God has for us, okay? So you guys good? Okay, if you want to walk in, if you feel like you're wanting to know what your gift is, or you're wanting to walk in your gift, maybe you already know what your gift is, but you're like, I want to walk in my gift even more, then just pop your, pop your hand up. And then those around you, if you see someone with their hand up, just ask, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And put your hand on the, you got to put your, Judy, you got to put your hand way, way up there. There you go, okay. Okay, so put your hand on that person's shoulder if they say it's okay. All right, so make sure people around, friends, family, grab a shoulder, Okay, awesome. All right. So I want to pray over you guys. So Jesus, I just thank you so much that you've sent your Holy Spirit to live within us. 
And that you, Holy Spirit, display the power, the goodness, the love of God in us and through us. And so right now, for all of those that are, that are wanting to walk more powerfully in your gifts, whatever that gift is, God, you have so many gifts you want to give your, to your people, but we know the greatest gift is your Holy Spirit. And so whatever gift you, Holy Spirit, are wanting to display through each person here, I just pray for a, a, a fresh impartation, an activation of your gifts and your people, Lord that you would work powerfully in and through your people, that both the church would be encouraged and your kingdom would advance, that lives would be changed, that salvation would happen, that healing would happen, that deliverance would happen. God, that you would move powerfully, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done throughout this world. So we thank you, Jesus, for your, the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Jesus, for the gifts that you're giving out right now. In Jesus Christ's powerful name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.